We're live, everybody. It's Friday, May 12th, 101 Central. I'm joined by Hans, by Not Legal Advice, slash Borghand, slash Richard, and a new member uh, on our community forum live streams on Friday. He's been supporting the channel for a long time. Severin, welcome in, my friend. How you doing, sir? So good to have you. How's everything? Good. Oh, you got to unmute. There we go. He's new. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I uh, found the button. <laughs> Very good. It's all good. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. So we'll, we'll do our usual start. We'll start with not legal advice. Give us your 30 second MMTLP update. Uh, MMTLP, for those that are not familiar, is uh, a uh, pretty interesting naked short selling thing that's going on where some folks are trapped. And it's, it's a pretty big deal, but it's not well known. And Richard has been doing an amazing job uh, serving a lot of people trying to figure this stuff out. So Richard, go ahead, go ahead and give us an update. Yeah, ongoing, multiple legal actions still ongoing. The most significant thing that came out this week was Janie, Jamie Dimon saying that bank stocks shouldn't be uh, shorted, uh, which kind of... So we've been talking about this for three or four months now. And as you see, mainstream is starting to come around with the concept. So um, again, nothing su substantial beyond that in a change other than a bunch of people... Uh, have been screwed out of their securities and are still waiting and are a lot of them are growing desperate as time goes on just imagine over five months to get a transaction completed crazy unbelievable is there any end in sight do, do we think there's uh sometime this year hopefully there's some resolution or there's it's still a waiting game there's a there's a petition in new york uh calling for the release of certain records that will be heard the end of this month if those records are ordered released that may be a um a way of resolving things, mm -hmm. but we don't we don't know. But there's a bunch of litigation that's ongoing, and all the agencies and brokers are uh, are are you know uh, going to defend themselves, and nobody voluntarily uh, gives you money. Not easy, right? Yeah. Where can people find more information about this, Richard? They can uh, find it at not k n o t legal advice. And please feel free to uh, subscribe and like. And by the way, I forgot to mention, I'm like uh, four or five subscribers away from 2,000. And if that, should, if that should happen during the live stream, I may do the national anthem of Brazil. I don't, <laughs> I don't know it, but I might do it anyway. Well, let's make sure everybody. I'm just kidding. I can't wait. I can't wait to get to 2000. Uh, I'm excited for you. Great channel, honestly. Uh, Richard does an incredible job covering a lot of legal matters, especially related to Tesla as well. There you go. Not legal advice. Look at those cute dogs as well. Make sure you go check them out. Okay. Big news for the day. Pretty big news. Um, Linda Yacarino? I already forgot her name, dude. This is so bad. Can you pull up the uh, the tweet <laughs> from Elon? I'm the worst host ever. Uh, from Elon Musk, we had an announcement uh, this morning. It was uh, it was sort of like a pre-announcement yesterday that he's found a new CEO for Twitter, but now we have the official uh, announcement. Elon Musk on Twitter, 10.49 a.m. Central. This broke while I was at the gym. I am excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. Uh, at Linda Yak will focus primarily on business operations while I focus on product design and new technology. Looking forward to working with Linda to transform this platform into X, which uh, Elon often calls the everything app. And uh, yeah, a, a lot of uh, interesting uh, sort of response to this tweet. 
uh, I've seen it. I've seen a lot of uh, differing opinions, and I think this is going to be a great topic for us to start on because it has so many wide-ranging implications. Especially since uh, a lot of the folks that follow this channel follow Tesla very closely, and they follow Elon Musk very closely in his ventures. So I think this is going to give us a lot to talk about. Uh, just a fun fact about Lin Linda, and then a producer wife. Maybe if you can pull up her LinkedIn at some point, so we can. Um, uh, sort of deep dive her background uh, if when you get a chance. She went to Penn State, and I went to Penn State. So immediately, I think she's great, right? So Linda, we are, if you ever watch this, which you won't. Uh, any thoughts from the panel? Hans, maybe we'll start with you. What uh, What's going through your mind with this announcement? Well, before we get there, can you just set up kind of what you've seen? Like, what are you seeing as the reaction oh, yeah. to this on maybe both sides of the spectrum? Sure. So from the, um, <laughs> it's so interesting, from the left side of the political spectrum, I'm seeing a lot of folks are upset that she's uh, she has a lot of conservative values, that they're upset that there's now two conservatives leading Twitter or conservatives, let's call them, with Elon and, and Linda. So they're upset about that front. And then folks on the right are upset about her having ties to the World Economic Forum. Uh, which uh, some folks might might think is is doing things that are not great for society, and folks on that side of the political spectrum are quite uh, they're, they're very reserved about that. But I'm seeing it on both sides. Uh, yeah, so th that's sort of the, the the setup. Did you have you seen the same thing from your end too? I haven't seen too much of the reaction. I did see a tweet by one of the uh, the two brothers that are doing news, the Krasensteins, or um. But anyways, it was basically to that effect, saying that she's catching a lot of flack from both the hard right and the hard left, and that that is one of the measuring sticks that Elon was using to gauge whether or not something is truly equality in the middle thing, is whether or not it's getting equal pushback from both ends of the spectrum, which it seems like she is. So from that standpoint, uh, it seems like it's a success. We'll see, you know, there are people that are products of the system that can come out of the system. This was something that they were talking about on the all in podcast, uh, last week with Robert Kennedy that Trump on like one extreme is the same deal where he is a product of the insider system. He's a product of the establishment but he set himself up as the anti-establishment candidate. Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. is likewise an establishment child, but setting himself up as an anti-establishment platform. And when you have an anti-establishment or a populist movement that is kind of taking the zeitgeisting culture, you really only have two options. You can have an insider who, a former insider who's setting themselves up against, or an outsider who's coming in. And generally, the public trusts someone who has been inside and understands the working of the system more than someone who's just a complete dreamy-eyed, naive person that doesn't understand the workings of the system. Um, and so... I think that Linda has the potential to be that. I think with Elon's values that there's a lot of possibility that her understanding of both how advertising works, how the censorship campaigns have been conducted, um, 
being somewhat conservative, that she's kind of an interesting mix that it's kind of hard to pin down where she's going to be. And so I think a lot of people that I respect are hopeful with this. The proof will be in the pudding, you know, a couple years down the road from now. But I think it's very strategic that he would choose somebody like her for this specific season in time. I don't know that she's going to be the permanent CEO, but while uh, Twitter is so dependent on advertising revenue, he needs someone who is deeply entrenched in the advertising world, who has the advertising connections. I mean, this is, um, you know, the hope is that she is like a Gwen Shotwell. Gwen is great at navigating the political landscape for SpaceX. Uh, at and for those that don't know, Gwen is the COO of SpaceX, right? She's the operations officer. Yes, yep. exactly. And yeah, she's been phenomenal. You know, Elon is generally not liked by the uh, defense contractors and the people in the Pentagon and all of the people that spacex really depends on for their launch business um he's created a product that is so compelling that they kind of can't help but work with him but that wasn't always the case and gwen was really the buffer in between elon and the defense contracting world and the military uh people that they were having to interact with in order to you know launch satellites for the air force or various things for national security agency and so linda has an opportunity to be someone like that between elon and the corporate advertising world which is something that is definitely going to be important in this next leg of twitter's growth is they you know eventually if it gets to be the everything app advertising may or may not be the ultimate business model that it relies on and so we don't know how much that will be a part of the long-term future of Twitter, but it's definitely the next leg. And so having someone like her with the connections that she has um, definitely seems very strategic and uh, you know not accidental at this point in the game. Yeah, those are all really good points. Uh, Producer Wife, when you get a chance, can you pull up the LinkedIn uh, link that I put in the private chat for her background so we can just make sure everybody's on the same page as far as what Linda has done in the past um, I have the link in the private chat. It should be the last one uh, they can pull up. The the very big notable thing that he has, she has done that is tied directly to the Twitter gig is uh, if you scroll down a little bit uh, to her latest uh, experience. Man, that is a big about page. Jeez. Keep going. Keep going. Perfect. So NBC Universal Media. She's been there for 11 years. She's uh, And then uh, she's the chairman or was the chairman of Global Advertising and Partnership advertising and client partnerships and president of cable entertainment and digital advertising sales. And then before that, she was also an executive vice president, COO of advertising sales and marketing and acquisitions at Turner. And so what's, what's really interesting here, and this is what sort of Hans is, is highlighting and uh, Severin dropped in the private chat as well, is that she's just had this very interesting background around advertising uh, and, and being appears to be very capable in that realm. And, uh, if, you know, the big thing that folks are constantly harping on with Twitter's uh, ability to generate profit and, and revenue is, well, you need to make sure you don't scare off advertising with your potentially uh, very, uh, but sometimes could be um, 
you know, controversial CEO or owner in this case now with Elon Musk. And so that that could be a weird thing that could happen. And having this person as a buffer, as, as Hans said, is uh, potentially very, very good. So just making sure that we're all on the same page as far as some of her background. She was also a chairperson on uh, oh, she's currently a chairperson on in the World Economic Forum. Right. Is that is that on her LinkedIn thing? Let me see. Uh, is that not it? I thought I, I thought it was on there. Am I am I tripping on that? Okay, all right. We'll we'll dig into that a little bit more. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have a lot on this. Uh, first of all, I don't understand uh, Hans's comments about the pudding, but we'll move on from there. I think uh, what's really uh, interesting is the timing. It's one month before the shareholders meeting. I don't think that's a coincidence. I'm sure that's a way to diffuse stuff that might be brought up at the shareholder meeting as to Elon being divided. So I think it's a very good strategic uh, announcement, even though I think it, it would begin the start of the third quarter, if I ca calculated correctly. Um, I think she either was based in New York or in L.A. I think she might have been based in L.A., um, I'm familiar with that area because I worked, actually, if she's in LA, then I worked in the building that she worked out of. She seemed very accomplished. That's a very, um, you were talking about politics. So I think if everybody hates her, she's perfect. And, you know, maybe she'll fit right in that spot. Because obviously, you know, in either, if she's either in LA or New York, and that's where the advertising business is going to be, then um, she's, li she's living in very uh, liberal environs, and she has to be able to get along in those environs. And she's been very successful. And uh, other than her university, uh, all of her other credentials are really top notch. Um, and uh, that was that was a shot at you, Farzad. If you wake up there, um, uh, and uh, I'm doing I research. Know, and I was most impressed by her experience with international partnerships. And her, her, when I was reading also her bio about her technological background, and I think she fits really perfectly with uh, at least the present intent of what Elon would like to make Twitter. Whether that changes or not, you know, whether she survives, by the way, you know, I got to believe it's a tough job. And working for Elon is probably a new experience, especially when you're coming. Just think about it. She's coming from. NBC corporate, that's like really corporate to Elon style, completely different style. So it'll be interesting first to see if they mesh. But in terms of her background, I think she's a home run. And um, I think she does concern both sides of the political spectrum. And that is really good, in my opinion. So I, I agree. I think it's a, I, I remember Gary Black had this as a catalyst for Tesla stock that once he actually pulled the trigger on a CEO, CEO for Twitter, that would be a positive catalyst. And I saw his remarks. He really was in, he, he liked the pick too, on top of that. So I could, I think it can only help the stock uh, in the short term. Yeah. What's, what's interesting and, and producer wife had to drop it in the private chat. The second Elon Musk said that he was looking for a uh, CEO for Twitter. She said that, uh, I just read her message. Just want to say I called it months ago that CEO is going to be a woman and she nailed it. Do, do you guys think that there is any sort of merit to uh, 
having a woman at the helm of of Twitter versus say a man and and is there something to be said about the three largest companies that uh, Elon Musk owns and SpaceX, Twitter and Tesla, two of the three are led by women. Is there something to be said around that or is it just inconsequential? I think it's, it's takes- yeah, I think it's a wonderful uh, a wonderful move. I hope that eventually uh, Tesla CEO is female also. Might as well. Uh, I think it creates a diversity in the company, a different view. And uh, women obviously haven't been represented in those positions. And there's no reason to believe they can't do as good or better than, uh, than men. And in the grand scheme of things, ultimately, Elon it calls the shots no matter who's the CEO. If he wants the CEO to stay, they will stay. If he wants the CEO to go, they will go. And that's either in any of those companies that they exist now. But I think it's a wonderful move, and it's a great move for diversity. Um, uh, Really, I think it's um, very positive. Yeah, I think it is a good balance, uh, especially from the standpoint of emotional intelligence that I love Elon but he's definitely an engineer and he definitely has engineer brain. And that is not a brain that is commonly known for being emotionally intelligent. Um, we've seen lots of fun things over the past couple of years that relate to that. So having, you know, it doesn't have to be a woman, but just on average, women are definitely more emotionally intelligent than men. And I think that is a strength that is definitely needed, especially, you know, SpaceX and Twitter have to interface with a lot of parties that um, it helps to be able to navigate those waters with emotional intelligence. So, uh, Severin, any thoughts since you're uh, you're located outside of the United States? And I'm curious, is there any any sort of uh, insight from your perspective? And if not, that's OK, too. But anything you want to share? Yeah, I think it's mostly uh, Elon is, um, for me, he's the techno king and uh, CEO, he had to do it, but uh, I don't think, uh, as he, he did it good in my in my point of view, but uh, of course, all these tweets he, he did uh, were very controversial and also in Europe uh, discussed very controversial and uh, he didn't earn a lot of good vibes for them, so... Got it. No, that's that's helpful to know. As far as um, as far as Tesla's performance, right, in res- in respects to this, and and okay, okay, maybe maybe before we move on to the Tesla topic, is there anything we want to hit around uh, CEO uh, Twitter getting a new CEO specifically for Twitter? Is there anything else we want to hit before we move on to how this may impact Tesla? Well, Any doesn't thoughts? that also kind of theoretically reduce the risk, or at least you know, I I don't even know if these risks are real. Because we talk about them when they come up, like they're a real risk. So the risk that uh, Elon was going to have to sell more Tesla stock. So is that a real risk? Well, if it was a real risk, then it's less likely now because it because people believe that Twitter will will be become profitable at this point in time. That's what that's what it suggests, and therefore he will not have to sell Tesla stock. So. Therefore, if it was factored in at one point, then it should be factored in on the other point. But I don't know, honestly, if it's just BS on the front end. I see, and you know, 
I see so many BS stories. Some of them may be true, but I think most of most of them are inaccurate in some respect. For example, the reason why Tesla stock is probably not flying today like we would expect it to is there was a story of a recall in China, right? Of 1.1 million vehicle recall of the acceleration system that can impact braking. And then if you read through, it takes a lot, but you have to read through the entire article and it's an over-the-air fix. That's the out, that's the end. So if you look at the headline and you see what it's suggesting, that could be a big deal. But in reality, it's just bullshit. And any influence it has on the stock price is inappropriate and not commensurate with what the issue is. I want to just highlight real quick. So so when you say uh, you have to read very, very far into it. So this is from Bloomberg. Uh, Tesla recalls virtually every car that it has sold in China. And then literally the first bullet point fixed to almost all every vehicle sold will be made over the air. So the hilarious thing here is that there is the over the air pieces in the very first bullet point, And they have a good old typo in the very first sentence of the article. And which to me tells me, did this, these guys just rush to get this thing out there? While, while everything it's it's so it's so weird it's so weird well it it's makes so me weird. wonder whether it's timed right yeah that it that somebody wants to counter the good news with something negative mm -hmm. they have something kind of you know they have a whole file full of things they can go with but it kind of almost sometimes appears that and that's kind of by the way by the way that is the issue or part of the issue with the short selling We saw like uh, was Carl Icahn's company got a Hindenburg report this week and they lost like, I don't know. I, and by the way, I have no care for Carl Icahn, but just interesting to see that some guy lost like $20 billion because of a short report that may be true, may not be true. And there's not much you can do to uh, impact that once they come out. Hans, go ahead. Isn't there a Wall Street Journal piece that came out today that talked about Elon potentially leaving Tesla and appointing a CEO there as well? That, yeah, so I, I think I know that Gary Black was saying today on Twitter that that's what he was attributing, probably, you know, that combined with the recall in China, that those two news stories are probably the reason that Tesla is not performing the way that you would normally expect. Um, Yeah, I, it's very curious that that news just happens to pop up right here at this singular moment in time. So strange stuff. Yeah, Go by ahead. the way, I think it, uh, and I just so I don't forget, I was going to say this. I think just because Google, and this is the game plan at the shareholders meeting, I think uh, Elon will mention AI 9,000 times. That's <laughs> That's what the game plan is for all these guys. You mentioned it about everything, about going to the bathroom. I have to look at AI. For ice cream choices, we'll use AI to make that. <laughs> uh, but it, I, it would be interesting to see if he follows that game plan and if there is a pop based on just all. Because they've been quiet you know, about Dojo. He's been very quiet about it the last, I don't know, six, uh, six quarters, I would say. So. Yeah. He could pull it out at some point in time and use it for AI purposes. Uh, it'd just be entertaining to see if he follows that like the rest.
Yeah, knowing knowing him, he might just completely omit the word AI for the whole presentation. That would be hilarious. Real quick, let's play a clip from uh, Linda before we move on to the uh, the Tesla topic. Producer wife has this stage. Uh, she believes this sort of highlights a little bit of uh, what Twitter is getting. So go ahead and, and play this clip uh, and stop it wherever you think it's right. It's Twitter time. And many of you in this room know me and you know I pride myself on my work ethic. But buddy, I met my match. Yeah. So we're here today to actually talk about your night job. Uh, great, sounds good. <laughs> but with Twitter, you've switched roles a little bit. You've, you know, your other companies, you move from inventor now to reinventor. And when you're inventing something, it's all new. It's a surprise. We don't know what to expect. To reinventor, you challenge legacy. You challenge habits. With Twitter, many of us in this room, we might even go to bed with it in our pocket on the night table. You challenge rituals. And every marketing executive in this room knows the difficulty of a new formula and the challenge of the delicate balance of a rebrand. And now, any thoughts there? Any 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 sort of insight you guys want to add on top of that? Elon needs a shave. Come on, Elon. Any any thoughts? <laughs> Hans Severin, any additional commentary? No. Cool. Yeah, she looks very convincing and composed. So. Yeah, she's talking to her people. You know, this was at the uh, Miami. I believe it was, it was Miami, right? If I remember correctly, I forget. It was it was somewhere in Florida. Maybe it was Orlando. Uh, it was at a conference, at an advertising conference, where Twitter, uh, where Elon was there representing Twitter, and uh, Linda was uh, heading the that sort of talk. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's obvious that she knows how to talk to those people. So we'll see. I am quite optimistic about this choice. I, I really am. If there's one thing that I think Elon is very good at is hiring the right people for the right job. And the you know Tesla is a hundred thousand plus person company that has been dropping brand new FSD updates and brand new models of cars and has been ramping its facilities while he's bought Twitter for the last six to eight months, where people thought he's been distracted the whole time. Yet we've seen all this improvement. SpaceX launched Starship and they've been freaking recovering Falcon 9 rockets every freaking day. Starlink has increased to 1.5 million customers ever since mm -hmm. that period. So if there's one thing that the guy does well, in my opinion, is really um delegate and pick the right people and put them in the right spots to to flourish and so i think this is very from my perspective this is a pretty exciting pick yeah yeah he's definitely one of the world's best at talent acquisition and that doesn't mean that it always works out and when it doesn't you know he can rapidly pivot and move on i mean in fact it's kind of illustrated in the spacex example that they recently said they are they have too many raptor engines and they don't know what to do with all of them, which means that Raptor production used to be a, a bottleneck there. There was a whoever was over Raptor engine development was a longtime SpaceX executive. I can't remember what his name was, but he um, he had been with the company for a long time, had a proven track record of execution. But he was really struggling to get Raptor production up to scale. And. Elon had to come in and fire him and take over that job himself. And that was the bottleneck where he had to sleep for a while. And now that problem is solved. Things have moved on. And so, you know, I think that's a great example of his ability 
to hire and to fire when necessary and to continue to put the right people on the right seats on the bus to make sure that the mission moves forward. Um, I'll also say that I was impressed there. You know, if I was interviewing Elon, I think I would be crapping my pants. And it's like for her to be that comfortable in that room and not even to be focused on Elon, like she's literally talking to the room instead of so focused on having this conversation with Elon and making sure that she gets the most out of it. Um, so she's obviously someone who is very adept at handling high pressure situations and also is comfortable around power and is not at all phased by that. Um, so I think all of those are good things for someone who's going to be taking on the role that she's going to have. I was going to say, and I was going to agree a hundred percent with Hans. I thought the thing that struck me about that video was she looked super confident, but super relaxed. And to me, that was really impressive. And she alluded to, you know, she alluded to the fact she's a hard worker. She doesn't, she's not Elon. So that means she's not working 24 hours a day, but she's probably only working like 18 hours a day. Because uh, ultimately, Elon's not going to hire somebody that's not going to be a ball buster, uh, you know, in the mm -hmm. end. So anyway, I was just, I really was struck by her, her relaxation, because that is so important. And that also kind of lets her take in whatever somebody says and be receptive to kind of things like that. Because when people are kind of um, rigid and tense, they're also kind of resistant to, to ideas in a way. They're, you know, their body kind of resists that. Anyway, I was just very impressed, just like Han said, in that, especially in that environment, how she was just like kicked back and she was just talking like we're having a conversation here. Yeah. Yeah. A certain level of swagger. Uh, that's how I would describe it. Just a lot of swagger. I, I want to go back and, and rewatch that entire uh, interview now, just because I'm curious to see what other things I can pick up from that. So uh, interesting discussion. A lot, a lot more to talk about about this, I think. But I think the, the thing that's going to be interesting here is how sort of this conversation tra translates over to the Tesla story, since a lot of the things that folks that have been following this closely, especially Tesla investors and folks that follow the story very closely, is that, you know, they're concerned about, uh, they were concerned about Elon's, Elon Musk's ability to be focused on Tesla while he was running Twitter. And with uh, Linda now becoming the CEO of Twitter, theoretically, it can go back to normal or what used to be where he's handling uh, five companies instead of six. <laughs> so uh, any thoughts there? Uh, if we can pull up the stock chart real quick, producer wife, when you get a second, uh, let's see how Tesla's performing. Um, I think I think just it lets yeah. him op operate uh, company number seven. I don't I don't think a guy who likes to work, you know, he enjoys working he, or he enjoys what he's doing. I just think mm -hmm. he'll fill up his time with something new. And if that happens to end up in a business, it'll end up in a business. And if not, and so be it. I don't think he's going to, you know, hide out in Hawaii on the beach uh, yeah. an extra four hours a day. I agree. I don't think it's going to be a new company. It will probably be him spending more time at Twitter, specifically working on whatever the truth AI or freedom AI or yeah. based thing that the he's doing. Solution. Yeah. Go ahead, Severin. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I saw you come off you. That's why. Cool. The, the, uh, the, fi the financial solution might have a bad ring to it for some people, but that, that's a inside joke. Sorry. What's, what's the joke? 
uh, that was, uh, well, it's not a joke, but the final solution sounds like the financial solution. That, that was the, the reference. Four I, out of I, ten. Four. <laughs> Let's go three. Let's go with a three. Okay. Okay. We'll do three out of ten. So we'll look at uh, Tesla stock price right now. Uh, obviously, the, the, we've had a lot of uh, actually positive news around the Tesla story in the last twenty-four hours, which we'll go through. Uh, but right now, the stock is not performing very well. We did talk about some of the things that uh, folks like Gary Black are thinking is is some of the reason why there has been a lot of articles. Some of them just very disingenuous around. Uh, the there was a recall in China, which is 100% OTA and not really uh, anything to worry about. Then there is the rumors around te uh, Elon stepping down as Tesla CEO, which I don't think there's any merit to them and would be a complete shock to everybody, uh, I think, as it stands right now, especially since uh, he replied to somebody saying that he kept his word around assigning somebody uh, as a Twitter CEO so he can get back to focusing on Tesla. I think I linked that to you, producer wife, as you can pull that up when you get a second. But uh, a lot of positive news around the Tesla story, one of which was the uh, release of uh, FSD version 11.4.1, which is the latest version of Tesla's full self-driving software out in the wild. It started going out last night. And there was also a tweet from Elon around uh, uh, opening up. OK, so he, here, here's a tweet from Tesla owner Silicon Valley. Uh, Elon Musk announcing a new Twitter CEO before the Tesla shareholder meeting. He continues to keep his word and keep his commitment to Tesla. And then he replied and said, yep. So to me, that sounds like, okay, Tesla, he's the CEO. Like, what, what else do you want? So that's that's strange. Um, that's uh, So I don't know why people would run with that article. And then there's another tweet around making, yep, Tesla FSD beta 11.4.4.1 is now going out to select public testers, I believe. Um, I think Dirty Tesla got it. Uh, um, who else got it? A bunch of people got it, right? I think I think like a fair number of people got it. So uh, interested to see what what that's going to be like. And then there was another tweet as well, producer wife, where Elon Musk said that once they get a super smooth, they'll start doing free trials. Yep, perfect. Once FSD is super smooth, not just safe, we will roll out a free month trial for all cars in North America, then extend to rest of world after we ensure it works well on ro local roads and regulators approve it in that country. I know there is a, a lot of things Hans and Richard wanted to talk about here. So maybe I'll, I'll let you guys start driving the discussion. Uh, Hans, I'll let you take it because this is something you called a while ago. And I think uh, Elon may have DM'd you for the idea. So go ahead. <laughs> Man, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I this is something I've been thinking about for a while that a lot of people immediately want to think in terms of robo-taxi when they think about revenue coming from FSD, and it's understandable. The math completely breaks in a robo-taxi model. That's why ARK Invest uh, is focused there on their research. Um, but there's a lot of people, especially in Wall Street and the investment community, who are completely unwilling to assign any value to an FSD robo-taxi uh, model in, in their valuation currently, just because without anything in the financials that they can tie it to, it just seems like pie in the sky to them. But I think there is a lot to be said for Tesla's ability to derive SaaS revenue, either from FSD specific services or other services in the midterm, well before RoboTaxi is fully capable and well before mm. it's certainly uh, something that is approved by regulators to operate as a business. 
And so I had generated a, a model. Um, I had a great conversation with Yashu on Saturday, and I kind of go through the model in detail with him. I've done it here uh, once in the past, and I uh, talked about it with some others, but I'd love to have Gary look at a model like this that basically I just put up a poll and I asked people, hey, what would you be willing to pay for basically level two, level three, and level four FSD subscriptions? And it worked out to like 60 and some change dollars a month for level two, 100 and some change dollars a month for level three, and like a little under $300 a month for level four, which would be something that you could actually send to you know, mm -hmm. pick up your kids from school yeah. without you. Um, it could come pick you up from the bar without anybody in the vehicle. And, you know, I think that is actually a pretty reasonable assumption that you could get a high level of, of SaaS revenue from that. And that is zero commercial use case. That is not Hertz operating a robo taxi fleet or Tesla or anybody else. Um, and so when I, ran all the numbers on that, what I looked at was, you know, if we have about 55% adoption in the global fleet of Teslas, assuming that Tesla has roughly 10 million units delivered in 2020, which I know to this audience will probably seem blasphemous, but remember, this is an argument that I'm making towards the Gary Black type where 10 million is going to be a number that they want to see. Um, the Global fleet at that time was going to be roughly 40 million vehicles. Um, and assuming they could get about $2,000 worth of annual revenue off of those FSD services on a fleet of 40 and some change million vehicles, it worked out to be about $50 billion of pure gross profit SaaS revenue in 2030. So, you know, if you put a 30 multiple on that, that's a $1.5 trillion tailwind to the valuation in 2030. So a pretty crazy possibility. And the reason that I think that we can say that something like that is gonna happen when they offer free trials is that right now, the price of FSD is the knob that, it's really the only knob that Tesla has to turn to regulate how many people they let into the beta mm -hmm. testing program. As they're developing this system, it is critical, absolutely critical, that it be very, 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 very safe. Any incidents mm -hmm. on FSD beta are going to have a level of scrutiny placed on them that could potentially put the entire program in jeopardy. And so they really need to make sure that there are no safety critical incidents um, and certainly no injuries and no deaths that come along with the FSD beta program. And so they're doing very strict internal testing. And then they have this beta program that customers have access to, but they only want the bare minimum number of beta testers in that program that they need to fully vet the system and get all the data that they're using as they go through the progression. And so they're slowly getting more and more people into the system. They haven't had to dial back the price on it yet because there's enough demand mm -hmm. for it that now the, the functionality is to a point that there's a lot of people that are interested in it. Um, but once the overall system passes a certain, it's gonna be a, a step function change in safety functionality where they believe that literally it could drive without a person in the car, then it makes 
no sense to keep people out of it anymore. You want everyone to use it at whatever mm -hmm. level that they're willing to use it. And you charge them whatever price gets them to use it, like the highest price that you can charge for them to utilize that level of functionality. And so there will be a step function change, just like Elon has talked about many times in the past in the, he's saying the, the value of the asset being the car, um, but the value of the fleet as a SaaS generating machine. And this is one of the reasons why he's pedal to the metal on max volume, damn the margins today. Like the more cars we have on the road, the more SaaS revenue we're going to make in the future. Um, and I think that the offer of the free trial to anyone in North America is that signal that when they say anyone can try this, I don't care what your safety score is. I don't care what type of a driver you are. I don't care how dangerous you are. Mm -hmm. This car is going to keep you safe and I'm willing mm -hmm. to give it to you for free for a week or a month or however long it is. That's the signal that that safety threshold has been surpassed, which means the shift in pricing strategy is on and it will go from mm -hmm. something where they're trying to keep as many people out of beta to something where they're trying to maximize and get every single dollar of revenue that they can on FSD beta, because every single dollar of FSD beta revenue translates directly to ice miles that were not driven. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Severin, any thoughts? Yeah, very good points. I think uh, it's it's really important that uh, there is a clear distinction between FSD and robotaxi, because uh, the, the FSD um, it, that is supervised uh, by by the hum by humans it's just a, a completely uh, a different thing. And with the hardware three, I'm pretty confident that uh, a lot of pe uh, people will uh, be able to use uh, FSD. I don't know if um, rob if hardware three is really capable for the robot taxi later on. So uh, th this is something we will see. Um, the, the latest development in AI makes me com confident that it could be possible because uh, they did um, on um, neural network uh, and, and um, by training models. And Severin, maybe um, before we keep going, do you want to give the yeah. crowd a little bit of a background on on uh, sort of the work that you've done, maybe to uh, give a little bit of context? Okay. Yes, yeah. uh, I I had a company that. Uh, produced uh, delivery drones so i know something about uh, autonomous uh, flying flying objects drones um, and uh, i work in, a, in an environment as a professional that has a lot of uh, things to do with data and data analytics and artificial intelligence so um, i think it's important to know that in the in the latest i don't know months it's maybe months uh, where you see it with chat gpt uh, they were able to retrain the, the model 3.5 gpt 3.5 to 3.5 turbo uh, just uh, by retraining it uh, with better data and uh, tesla is um, capable to choose the, the good data they need uh, to retrain the, the model and make it more efficient so and this gives me a, a big hope uh, that uh, they can with this somehow little bit old hardware three it's it's not that much of a, of, a, of a new hardware now but uh, 
with this this kind of training and uh, there are two different or, or a lot of different things you can do to train um it's one time it's the model and the other thing is uh, to to shift um complexity uh, between the, the layers of a, a neuronal network so and uh, just recently i read that they uh, shifted the lane um the lane uh, directions like the logic in, yeah yeah into the into the occupancy network and these are the kind of things that uh, gives uh, more performance and in in the end uh, you have to uh, build a lot of complexity into the system and um, it's always a run against um, performance and if they get it to to with this uh, hardware to a high performance uh, this is very promising. Uh, if they really get to the robot taxi with this hardware, this is a big question. I hope for, because only then you have to go the whole fleet to to do the robot taxi. But uh, we will see. That's great insight, Richard. Do you have any thoughts around uh, this FSD thing? Yeah, a lot of mindless thoughts. Um, uh, one, um, there has to be a. I think it's a generational thing in part. I think people who have gotten used to driving cars in a particular way will have to expire from the population. And the ones who never did, who their first car will be sitting in a car and not driving, that will make things inherently uh, easier. Because I think it's not the quality of the FSD, it's the willingness for the driver to step away. And that's a psychological barrier, and I don't. And maybe that has to be trained, uh, but it's something that I have to be overcome. And if it were me, for example, it's going to be harder to teach me than hard to teach a twelve-year-old who's never had that experience. So I think, that in part, it's going to happen over time as people get more used to the technology. I also think there's an intermediate step also between robo taxi and full self-driving, where there's whole classes of people that will want to use it. Uh, full self-driving. For example, if you have elderly people that want to go to the doctor or want to go to the pharmacy, or and I'm sure there's hundreds of use cases like that, those are all people that probably want to retain their vehicle. And if you gave them full self-driving, they would love it because they're now independent and not uh, dependent on a whole series of things. The third thing I think that has to be factored in is I think Tesla is certainly early on has to fully guarantee and warranty anything that happens with regard to full self-driving. And if any incident happens, whether it's their fault or not, at least for the time being, they have to assume complete responsibility and take care of it. Otherwise, they'll get repercussions. They'll have their programs interfered with it, and it will cost them a lot more than just taking care of those problems. It will also give kind of, um, it'll make people feel more comfortable also if they're willing to stand behind their uh, instruments. Um, what I found also interesting was Elon, how he characterized the current state of FSD. And I think he was doing it in relation to what Mercedes-Benz has in their uh, level three, or as, as they call it, level three at 40 miles an hour with a, a vehicle 100 yards ahead in clear weather with a cough and, you in know, your right hand yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. in uh, a five block square uh, area um, yeah. but I, I think he said that if he wanted to 
he could call the the most current version of the software version 12 and that could be the equivalent of level 3 which which led me also to believe that at some point in time this year he's going to pull the trigger with that designation they're going to do enough further in, enhancements and it'll it'll uh get to the level that he's comfortable with calling that and when i was watching doctor i think doctor know it all he was and he's a lot smarter than me and probably all of us here but he was talking about the improvements and at least the way i understood it is the most significant improvements were the improvement in correcting the errors in how the how it interprets velocity of objects not being the car you're driving. And there was significant improvement in that error. I mean, really significant. I think it said it was like a 40% reduction in the error rate. And that's a huge move. Um, so I think it is a significant difference. And it sounds like we are certainly close to being marketable. And because I think once he agrees to that's level three, it becomes saleable and people like, you know, what Hans was saying, people like Gary Black and everybody who can't give it a dollar of value at that point in time, it's bringing in income. You have to give it value. Uh, so yeah. I think that's very close. I think that the interesting thing about it, this whole discussion is that if this version 11.4.1 is really that much closer to this marketable version where they're going to be able to make it free for everybody with a trial and then you'll be able to sign up with say a monthly cost that will give you a a significant benefit to just driving the car you'll have some additional thing then the whole strategy around tesla cutting their prices early on to maximize the volume becomes like oh my god that was such a genius move <laughs> and i and i feel like any sort of um negative uh thoughts or or, or sort of when, when folks were being very pessimistic about that move I'm wondering if that all of a sudden becomes completely negated because it, it it becomes obvious that maximizing how many people can turn on that software is really ultimately what's going to drive value for the company long term, especially as they keep keep iterating on this software more and more and more. Before I go to Severin, real mm -hmm. quick, uh, Cindy, can you pull up um, the uh, latest tweet I just dropped? Uh, I think I'm curious. Uh, Lyft CEO says, and this just broke about an hour ago. Lyft CEO says the company is open to offers for acquisition. So I'm wondering, is this uh, rideshare businesses starting to kind of see the writing on the wall? Am I jumping the gun a little bit here? I just find this tweet very curious. I literally just saw it pop up on my feed while we were talking. So uh, Severin, let's go to you. And then if, if anybody has any thoughts around this, uh, I would love to hear it as well. Uh Oh, you was you were just mentioning uh, about markets. So uh, if sure. you uh, if you yeah, tell about markets uh, for FSD, then if you look to Europe, I think we are a long way, uh, uh, a long pathway away for uh, getting FSD beta as you have in the US, um, and maybe even China is is, is earlier. Just yeah. this point. So. No, I, I agree. Any thoughts on the uh, on the Lyft uh, on the Lyft news? Do, you know, do we think Uber, that's a smart. Uber, yeah, Uber came out recently, and their their uh, financials were good. So maybe it's uh, an invitation to Uber. Uh, you know, maybe you should come and uh, look at us. Um, I guess it could be a car rental company. 
leasing company. It could be anything like that. But to me, it sounds like with the model that Uber would be the natural choice. If Uber thinks that their business model is successful long-term, whatever their model is, then it would look like Lyft would fit within their uh, purview. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, one of the things that ARK brought up, ARK Invest brought up a, a while ago around Tesla building its own network, its own ride sharing network, where, you know, FSD could be turned on as a sort of safety measure for the driver. And then why doesn't Tesla just start doing their own ride hailing with owners driving and turning on FSD? I mean, that's another thing that could be very close to this. You know, it's like you don't have to have a robo taxi network to what you guys are saying. You could have person who wants to turn on FSD in their car for X number of dollars a month so that they can get to the dentist nice and easy. Um, you know, a robo taxi is a separate thing. And then right hailing is a separate thing, right? There's three different things. Go yeah. ahead and uh, unmute. And uh, sorry, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what Uber is, right? There's some guy in the front seat has a has a uh, phone that gives him the directions and he drives somewhere. So why can't you do that with uh, FSD if you want to do that? Exactly. This is uh, the latest video from Chuck Cook. Chuck Cook is a goat uh, in the uh, Tesla FSD uh, testing community. Uh, he, you can follow him on Twitter. We'll make sure to put his handle up. One of the nicest guys I've ever met, at Chazman, Chuck Cook. He even has a software version named after him in the Tesla lore. So let's go ahead and watch this. I haven't watched this yet, but uh, hey, Twitter, latest 11.1. Uh, All right, here we go again. Still have the train in front of us. Very long trains here in Florida. It needs to reroute to the left again. Hopefully it will quickly. And it did. All right, up to the stop and the creep. And we've got a little bit of traffic. It needs to wait for, though. They're spread out a little bit more on this one. So it's just going to have to use its... And the headlights are on on some of these cars. Now, there's a small gap here if it wants to jump. I bet it's going to jump here. Now, this car is changing lanes, and he's moving fast, and it saw him. Oh, it might have been waiting on this car crossing here. I think that's probably what created that scenario is that crossing traffic that I wasn't even looking at. And then now it's wide open, so another great choice on when to go. I'm not having any problems here. The only issue I'm having is the lane selection. Middle lane is occupied, and it's waiting. The right lane, now it's all open. And look at it jumping to that middle lane. All right. I think we've uh, pretty much had some really good scenarios here. Uh, I've identified the middle lane as its preferred choice. Why is it its preferred choice? I don't know. Maybe there's some new logic to not camp out in this what it thinks is the passing lane. But when you're merging on the three lanes of traffic, especially high speed, you need to start in this lane and then work your way over. Jumping across two lanes, especially with vision. Awesome. Great. Look at those legs. Chuck Cook with the shorts. I love it. Fantastic. Shout out to Chuck's beautiful thighs. Uh, any, <laughs> that was terrible. I should have never said that. Hans, go ahead. I was just going to say <laughs> that Chuck has been on the show before and he graced us with his presence after that comment. I'm not so sure that he'll want to come back, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Chuck, if you're watching this, it's all love, brother. <laughs> I, had, I had a conversation with him. He told me that culinary school was very difficult but he found the file final a piece of cake oh much that's an eight out of ten that's pretty solid that's a big improvement from the other one um yeah so we're seeing some improvements it, it does seem like the, the unprotected left for chuck was was something that looks like they, they really got very uh, cleaned up quite a bit with uh one of the earlier versions but it's kind of good to see this sort of improvement as well i can't wait to get mine to start testing this uh in the wild around my parts because there are some certain situations where the software could use a little bit of help 
from a lane selection perspective. And I'm curious if 11.4 will solve that. Um, cool. Any uh, any last topic before we go into Q&A? Does anybody want to hit one more thing before we do Q&A? Yeah, I just any... wanted to... Oh, go for it, Richard. I was going to say... I'm going to clarify that, you know, they haven't released that free trial yet. And just because Elon teased that they're getting close to it doesn't mean that it's going to be in the next three months, six months, or even a year that, you know, version 11 famously took forever to finally get released. And his comment about they're going to wait to call the version update a full 12.0 until all the code has been converted from handwritten you know c code over to full neural nets and that has been something that has taken a while previously so if they are going to wait till 12.0 to offer a free trial that could be a while or it might not but it's something that we can now at least feel like is closer uh on the horizon than it was before go ahead, richard yeah, something that occurred to me and unrelated completely to what Hans just said, like most of the things I say, um, was, uh, you know, we were talking about how like Model 3 sales might uh, suffer because people might be expecting Model 2 and the about we're talking about the Osborne effect. And I was thinking, you know, it exists just as to the Highland. People are not going to buy the 3 because they won't know if they can buy the new Model 3 uh, that... They don't know when's coming out. Uh, so there, there's like a double impact of why Model 3 sales are not uh, off the shelves. We know the Model Ys are fantastic, but the Model 3 mm -hmm. sales have been kind of, you know, the technical term would be crappy. Um, they're not emphasized, I don't think, in particular. But I think also there's a, a psychological issue because people are waiting. Mm. And I don't know if they really are waiting uh, for the Model 2. As I hear the, the discussion or the, the podcast from the limiting factor in the newest one about the motors and the magnets. And for me, it seems like the Model 2 is not, it's just really not the same car than the Model 3. It is in, 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 in uh, many aspects uh, a cheaper car and uh, it's just another segment. I don't know if there, there is uh, people that uh, are willing to. It's another segment. I don't know if there is really Osborne effect. I get. I guess we'll see if after they come out with the Highland, if the Model Three sales then shoot up, then we'll kind of know that that's what was necessary. Cool. Any uh, any last topics before we go to Q and A? I also want to get some thoughts around what, what we want to expect from the what we expect from the shareholder meeting. But I feel like there's going to be no nothing groundbreaking. But um, that's that's my assumption just from previous meetings. Um, anybody want to take anything? I think there might there might be something groundbreaking. They might talk about take about talk about the groundbreaking in Mexico, and they oh. might talk about they might talk about the groundbreaking as to the lithium refinery. Six out of ten. Pretty good. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else we want to hit before we do a potentially extended Q&A? Or does somebody want to bring up a, a topic? Going once. Going twice. 
sold for extended Q&A. All right, 30 minutes of Q&A with our wonderful, wonderful community. Uh, if you're new to the channel, we do these every single Friday when I'm not on vacation, which I'll be on next week, by the way. I should have said this at the beginning. I'm on vacation next week, uh, so next week there won't be a community forum. Uh, my wife and I are taking a trip to the Caribbean, and we're going to go on a beach for seven days, and we're just going to do nothing. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So uh, so next week, we won't have a community Q&A, but very exciting for the shareholder meeting. For the shareholder meeting, uh, Mr. Hans and the community forum are going to lead the live stream on this channel. I'll be going to the, the factory. Uh, I, my wife and I got tickets, so we'll be going there. We'll be calling in from the factory and giving updates. And then uh, Hans is staying with us for a couple of days. And then instead of me being in this room, he's going to be in this room. And so you're going to have a much more handsome, much more stronger dude leading this uh, live stream on Tuesday than your usual homeless looking guy. So Hans, thank you very much for uh, taking that on. And I appreciate everybody who's going to join us on uh, on Tuesday. Should be fun. Should be great. Cool. All right. Let's do the uh, let's show. Can the I, I, Go ahead, Richard. One one quick point uh, yeah. that you might take a look at in, I, I guess, VW, the people at v, the, the citizens of Germany and the unions are not happy with current VW management. So I saw mm. recently, recently being very recently, somebody in the audience threw a cake at the uh, CEO and he had great reflexes and ducked and missed the cake. But I was no very impressed. Very impressed. Fantastic. Well, that, that's got to be a good sign for something. Let's go ahead and pull up the uh, the, the poll results from the, the stream. How do you feel about Twitter's new CEO, Linda Yaccarino? Optimistic, 60%. Neutral, 30%. Disappointed, 9%. With 780 votes. So pretty representative. Uh, that's that's a pretty good result as far as uh, um, a poll sample size goes. So 60% optimistic, 30% neutral, 9%. So the folks that usually watch this channel, which are folks that follow Tesla and Elon Musk and Twitter quite closely, looks like most people are optimistic or neutral, the vast majority, and very little are disappointed, but a healthy 30% are neutral and are probably waiting to see what happens. Okay, very good. Cool. So let's go ahead and get into uh, into uh, our, uh, our Q&A. If you do want to take part of these uh, live streams every Friday, consider becoming a uh, joining the channel by clicking on join right below this video. Half of the earnings from these live streams go into our community fund where the fund decides what to do with those funds. And uh, yeah, it's a cool little thing that we've got going on. I won't bring up the ice cream this time. Hans, I see you're off mute. Do you have some, uh, something to say before we go q and I was just going to say that those poll results probably reflect a lot of different issues. And the 90% of those people in the middle, you never hear anything from them. But the 9% mm. that are not happy either from one side or the other and the 1% yeah. that doesn't exist, those are the ones making all the noise on Twitter and instituting shareholder activist votes on companies and all that fun stuff. So, Love it. And the 9% are those who like to see uh, Mr. Beast, Alex Friedman as the CEO. So not happening. Disappointed. <laughs> I still thought Lex was that was had a good heart. He could have been there. All right, let's yeah. do the uh, let's let's do the Q and A. Let's bring up the uh, first question. Producer wife is going to only choose the best ones, which will be all of them. And first question from Alex, longtime listener. Thank you, Alex. Question: How does this affect the finances at Twitter? Will Elon be able to release some of the capital locked up there? How does the new CEO give them a roadmap to an exit strategy? Um, ex exit strategy for whom? For Elon? Or like I, I'm maybe does somebody want to tackle this question? I'm 
Um, I'm a little bit confused by the wording. Will Elon be able to release some of the capital maybe, locked up there? Maybe he's talking about going public, bring okay. taking Twitter public, and yeah. will the new person be able to bring in enough revenue to justify it getting going public? And I guess her background suggests that she has traditional contacts in traditional advertising venues, but has a more modern view on advertising. So if she performs like we think she could perform, I think that would be the uh, goal to unlock all of the, the value that exists in Twitter, including through the, the app. And I guess it just remains to be seen how she performs. Yeah, Hans or Severn? I'll, yeah. I'll take a crack at this. So there's two different problems to tackle in growing as an advertising platform. One of them is the technical problem. Like you have got to figure out how to place ads that people actually want to see in front of them when they want to see them. That is a purely technical problem and Elon can 100% lead the charge on helping the team to execute there. There's a separate problem. You also have to make people who are engaging in advertising feel warm and fuzzy about advertising on your platform. And I think we can all here agree that that is not Elon's strong suit. So that is going to be the problem that Linda is tasked with. And I think she has, like we've talked about, the perfect background for that. And so I do think it has a very positive potential effect on the finances of Twitter, their ability to generate revenue. Um, you know, anyone who's ever had to hire a marketing person and seen them be effective, especially with targeted, like uh, retargeting ads, for example, or something like that, there are very high leverage ways to engage in marketing. Um, you've seen that other side of, you know, trying to give someone the awareness that they need or to generate a positive feeling towards you that helps close a deal. That uh, is what she'll be doing now. So I'm kind of reading into the question a little bit. I am assuming Alex is asking, can some of the money that was taken out of Tesla to be deployed into Twitter be released from Twitter so that it can be put back into Tesla and Elon can continue to increase his his ownership percentage there. Um, that may not be exactly what Alex is asking, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's in that spirit. Um, I don't know. I think that the when Twitter goes public, which Elon has said that it will again at some point, um, he'll probably come away with more money than he put in. It won't go public until that is true. And it, it really won't be that hard um, just because Twitter was such a, like he definitely overpaid by at least four times, but mm. it was such a dumpster fire compared to the revenue potential that Twitter had. And when it goes public, that will be unlocked. So he'll definitely make more money on the deal than he put into it over a reasonable amount of time. And whether he decides to put that back into Tesla or just retain no. a significant portion of his ownership of Twitter, like he may retain a majority stake and only sell 40% of the company. We'll see how, how all that goes. Um, but I, I basically, I wouldn't 
bet on a large portion of capital being reinvested into Tesla from Elon's Twitter earnings. Yeah, and, and my my point of view here is that uh, until the X company thing with the the payment where you can uh, directly uh, buy products uh, by the by Twitter until this is not uh, done. Uh, there will not uh, they will not go public because this is the really the big thing uh, you don't uh, uh, advertise for just throwing pictures or videos uh, at the face of, of people's you you finally want to sell things to to people and um, instagram uh, did it quite nice so they can convince uh, a lot of people to directly go from the, the page to buy stuff I myself get uh, stuck a lot of things when I go to pay uh, the, the the thing, and and I'm not sure if the, the the page is trustworthy. I don't do it. Um, if Twitter has a, a payment system that is um, secured by Twitter itself, um, I think a lot of people will will um, buy stuff. So I think this is the the big uh, step that will follow. I was going to say also, I have an expectation that the cash, that the, the capital infusion that will be needed will be for SpaceX. I just think the the cash that's going to be required to fund that company is going to be, is going to dwarf what Tesla is. So I happen to think whatever cash he gets in the future, it's going to be funneled to a large extent through through SpaceX or whatever other Applicable, applicable companies arise. Cool. A lot of great answers. Let's do the next one. Next question. And Dan B, question. Next product reveal, next gen or van? So this is related to Tesla. The next gen vehicle is this compact car that's being rumored. And the van is, uh, we first saw it undercover at the uh, at Tesla's investor day. Fascinating question, actually. I uh, I think I'll go first on this one. I think the next gen, if next gen meaning the compact car, I think that one is going to be held to the vest as close to the on uh, the actual launch of that car as humanly possible. Which I'm being told, I told, I'm I'm told that I say a lot as humanly possible, <laughs> and every time I say it, I'm like, ah, I said it again. Um, and the reason why is because if you unveil that thing a little too early and say you're six to eight months out, the backlog is going to be completely and utterly bananas. And you might just bring some, some I don't know, some weird attention to yourself from folks that probably want this car extremely badly because Tesla's, in my opinion, are quite aspirational uh, products. And they'll finally be able to be purchased by the majority of people, at least in the developed world. So... Uh, but from the van perspective, I'm guessing this thing's going to be significantly more expensive than the Gen 3 car. Probably going to be close, more closely priced to say a Cybertruck or a uh, or a full spec Model Y, which will be in the fifty to sixty, maybe seventy thousand dollar range. So maybe that gets unveiled first. So maybe I'll say the van. What do you guys think? Who wants to go first? I'm going to go with Gen 3. I think that. Mexico will be up and running and they'll like they'll be ready to release that before because the van is going to be based on a similar platform to the Cybertruck and they're going to be so focused on the Cybertruck for so long that it's going to be a while before we get the van in my personal opinion. Yeah, as well. 
Yeah, I think we would have heard more about the van if it was the next, in my opinion. Because I think everything is kind of previewed in some fashion. They kind of throw us breadcrumbs bread, bread in order until we get to the end. And I don't think uh, the van is far enough along. I, they did happened? kind of breadcrumb us at uh, Investor Day. They showed us that it was it was there under the tarp. Like it was very obvious that the commercial vehicle under the tarp was going to be a van. So th they're teasing it. Like it's definitely on the roadmap. I think it was Gandalf the Wizard under that uh, myself. <laughs> Gandalf the Gray or Gandalf the White? Which one? <laughs> Either one. I I really think. I mean, if you really think about it, the compact car. The only, the only, well, they did tease it more in the investor because they're like, this is the how we're gonna build it. So you're right, it was, it was teased more. Okay, we'll see. You, you could be right. So that, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, next question. And Tony, thank you so much for becoming a YouTube member. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. That's why he's got the little symbol right next to his thing. And look at this question as well. Tony, you're the man. What do you think of Tesla partnering with a national retailer in lieu of advertising? Example, Costco is the perfect place to sell Tesla products and deploy level three, level two charging plus solar plus mega packs. Interesting question. I know Tesla was partnered with Home Depot for a little while with uh, uh, with Solar City or rather. I think Solar City and Home Depot were partnered for a little while. Any thoughts around this? You know, I actually did. Uh, I'm glad he brought it up. I went to the exhibit. This is what I what occurred to me. So I know that Elon doesn't want to do traditional advertising. So I went to the exhibit in LA at the Peterson Automotive uh, ex uh, Museum and it was a permanent or a traveling Tesla exhibit. So why can't you have traveling Tesla exhibits in all major cities and show off all the products in a exhibit form continuously advertising in a very inexpensive way, but that draws people to it and people who have interest in the products. Anyone else? I would love for them to be to the point also where they could have, you know, enough scale for charging solar and mega packs to be available at any like Costco, for example, uh, or Lowe's or Home Depot, someplace like that. I think it's going to be a while before energy is quite to that scale, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's going to be a great day. Severed, any thoughts there? Let's do the next question. I think I think it's a good idea for Tesla to do that. Uh, and uh, once they're ramped, I believe they'll they'll really start to leverage that. They're, they'll start flexing that muscle. Tawanda, oh my, yeah, my my, I'm gonna try. Mandiz Vidza, sorry. Question: Is it possible uh, that RoboTaxi could be free, paid by advertising on the car screen? So the long term. Ooh, fascinating question. I think I think the the sort of thought process here is is that because uh, the cost per mile with a self driving car is going to be so low that theoretically you could just pay for it with the uh, driver attention. Um, what do you, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think yes. Uh, if if the the screen is is uh, reachable and you can click on it and you can buy stuff from it. Then mm. yes, Hans Richard. Does it make a difference if it's everywhere? Does it lose value if every car is advertising as opposed to just some cars, so nobody sees anything at that point in time? 
What I, I'm having a tough time following that. If everybody has advertising, then nobody's like stands out, and nobody oh, really I see. sees that sees the advertising. I mean, point. but but YouTube's the same thing. Everybody everybody advertising on YouTube. Every video you watch, you see advertising from a thousand different people. But it's I still effective. Premium, I paid premium. I don't get advertising. Well, not everybody. <laughs> well, that's and that actually may be a, a viable business strategy that you can sign up. You have either a Robo Taxi membership no ads or you can sign up to be or mm. you know if you don't have that then you get advertised to in the vehicle um and i think they would probably operate on some sort of a you know revenue share like every every time that someone clicks and buys like it would just be a percentage of whatever converts for the person being advertised do you get to you get to select the own ad your own ads are going to play on your own car or is it like uh tesla, tesla only or It'll why be wouldn't Twitter it be advertising? Yeah, why wouldn't it be connected to your Twitter handle? You know, if somebody you, pays you... Me, somebody pays me more money to advertise, I will. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's the fascinating thing about this whole new business model is you know when when the car turns into an entertainment machine because you're not driving anymore, all of these options become valid. Uh, the question becomes: Is this a future that we want, where we have free transportation? But everywhere we go, we're being blasted by advertising. But, you know, you really think about it when you turn on the radio or Spotify or podcast or anything, you're kind of that's kind of happening already in your ear, unless you have, you know, your radio off or you're driving by a road that doesn't have billboards everywhere on the road. Right. So it's it's but now it's like in the cabin and it's hitting you right in the face. You know, I when I was a young boy back in the 1800s, I went to a move a movie in Israel. And they had no commercials on TV. So the, what they did is you went into a movie theater and 20 minutes you sat through commercials before sure. the movie started. That was it. That's all you saw. But that was the worst 20 minutes you ever experienced in your life. I remember those days. Like, you know. I remember those days. Any other thoughts? Yeah, about uh, Robotaxi. How much can the streets um, really get? Because... Uh, don't you have traffic jam? So uh, today I was two hours in traffic jam. I hate it. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people will um, use Robotaxi. Okay, maybe there are two, three, two or three people in the, in the Robotaxi and therefore there are less cars. But I think there are more cars on the road and more traffic jam. Isn't the issue though whether they communicate with each other? And at some point in time... I think whatever system wins, then the cars will all be kind of communicating with each other and staying away and I think kind of gauging how the drive is. At least that's what my expectation mm -hmm. is. Uh, yeah. I would agree. Maybe. I would think that the most monetizable type of trip for the robo-taxi would be a relatively short, like long enough to let you see some stuff but not so long that you just like, there's going to be uh, an advertising fatigue effect that sets in, you know, maybe past 10 minutes or somewhere in that range where, you know, if you can get someone in the car and their trip is about 10 minutes, that's probably about the peak advertising earnings that you can get per minute. Um, and then it kind of falls off from there. And so it would probably be to the benefit of everyone to keep trips short 
But if someone is needing to travel long distances, it may be that you do end up like you could probably get on a free trip of a certain distance and then past that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of options open up with this sort of a uh, model. It's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be super fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Let's do the next one. And Elangovi question, will robotaxis be just a platform for many different businesses? For example, hair salon, entertainment experience, etc., rather than just a taxi service. Somebody, who was I talking to yesterday that brought up um, this concept where, you you know, if it's going to I forget who it was. I, I, I wish I could remember who it was. It could be it could, it could be somebody on this on this panel where you you were um you could have robotaxi then be partnered with uh local businesses that make the uh think part of your experience so for example with that restaurant like say a restaurant you book a uh, a time for seven o'clock right and then one of the services with a seven o'clock appointment could be you don't even have to drive to the restaurant they'll include a free robotaxi ride to their to their restaurant so reserve with us today and you'll get a free ride to our restaurant so that you don't even have to worry about uh, drinking and driving, or you don't even have to worry about blah. The car will show up. It will bring you to the restaurant two minutes before your reservation. You'll go in, and then the car will take you right back home. And you, and exactly with the hair salon, entertainment experience, it the marrying of those services becomes absolutely nuts because the cost of transportation goes down by a factor of 10, I, I would imagine. Um, I forget who it was. Damn it. Anybody have any thoughts on this? Yeah, if you have like a van or some sort of like a larger platform vehicle, you can even provide services directly from the vehicle. And so it can be a completely mobile business. Uh, entertainment is a great option for that. There's there's a ton of huge opportunities. Like it will remake the business landscape once RoboTaxi is fully available. Uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live, way ahead of their time. Uh, in a moving vehicle, they suggested that a good business for the back seat was doing circumcisions while the car was <laughs> moving. <laughs> Severin, any thoughts? Not specifically about that, but just, about robot. <laughs> no, um, robot I just think uh, from the business perspective, um, a lot of folks that are um, traveling long distances if they travel by train like a lot of people do in in europe or germany or switzerland um you you cannot have open discussions uh, because everyone is listening so but if you have a car with uh, four seats six seats you can have a, a private room with a discussion that no one else is listening and this is valuable yeah that's a great point. That that's one thing that I've been uh, bringing forward on the concept of robotaxi. That's super underrated. Is exactly that concept of privacy. You'll be yeah. able to pay as much as the cheapest bus ticket today to go the same distance, probably longer, and instead of sharing. For, for, for the business people, sorry, they are they are willing to pay uh, much more if they because their time is valuable. If they have uh, four sure. or six people that can uh, use their time for a meeting, um, maybe this is one of the first robotaxi uh, things because uh, you get a, a lot of uh, money out of it. Yeah, 
that that's a great point. I do. I think in the short term, it will definitely be say uh, priced at a premium because of that privacy. But I think as it becomes more and more uh, common, I think just the cost of transportation becomes fully deflationary, and then everyone's just going to have access to private transportation that's safe, reliable, and extremely extremely cheap. Uh, just in the same way that electricity is today versus, you know, God knows how long or the computer, so on and so forth. I think at the same time, what will happen is there'll be a lot of uh, short uh, distance flying uh, taxis also of some form, electric taxis and the like. Severin doesn't like that idea, but uh, no, it, you don't like it. You don't think it's going to happen? It, it's it's not going to happen. Um, I, I, uh, I was watching since day one about all this uh, uh, robot tech, flying robot taxi things. And uh, it's a regulatory thing and it's a, it's, a, it's a topic about noise. You don't want to have uh, in any city this noisy helicopter-like uh, things everywhere. I, I don't believe this. And, and, and the other point is if, uh, if a car crashes to something, the damage is whatever but the, if if some flying thing is crashing to a, a business building it's a complete uh, other topic I, I we will not see this for a long time i think the noise i i understand about the second part and i agree with you i think the noise can be dealt with because the electric should be a lot quieter than uh you, you can make actually things. not true it's no. mostly propeller noise yeah yeah. yeah, it's the air. Although there have been some recent developments. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, Severin. The uh, There's a, a drone company that I know that you are aware of that's operating in Rwanda that mm -hmm. does yes. a lot of medical stuff. Their new propeller is significantly quieter. Uh, so yeah. I'm excited to see what happens with that. But most of, yeah, most of the noise, Richard, from electric flight, is related to just moving air it doesn't have anything to do with the actual internal combustion engine at all so this obvious solution is just get rid of the air exactly yeah uh, done gravity fields from now on the, somebody brought said in the comments to see if you can bring this up producer wife from dan harold uh a few comments ago they tagged me uh, order in the car um order in the car and save half an hour in the restaurant uh, yeah, ordering the car and save half an hour in the restaurant, run more customers to the same number of tables. So that taxi comes, picks you up, you're, you're having fun in the car, the screen is a huge menu, you put in your order, by the time you get seated, your food freaking comes out. It's like, it's brilliant. And then the turn of the restaurant doubles, you know? It's, it's more brilliant if they could serve you a cocktail in the car too. Yeah, there you go. Why not, right? And this is where this is where the concept of the robot taxi becomes so insane because the internal of the robot taxi can be customized, the inside of the uh, robot taxi can be customized to whatever that use case is, and you just shell, you just create a bunch of shells. Airline, I'm telling you guys, the airline model for robot taxi long term has to happen. Otherwise, you can't do stuff like this easily because people will demand it. Can you imagine if you're, you know, the nearby restaurant here? They have a fleet of like four or five robo taxis. They come pick you up for free. And like you said, they all have drinks inside and it's all automated. It gives you a freaking Cosmo or a martini or a beer. You know, it's 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 wild and it'll cost nothing. It's it'll be pennies on the mile to get you there. It's completely wild. That's where we're going. And they could you charge know? you a premium for everything, right? For all the 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 cocktails and, and sure. whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Except if it's here in Texas, they still have to give you the salsa and chips for free. 
Yeah, that's a hundred percent. God, God forbid if that ever changes. My God, it'll be a, it'll be a, a revolt. I think that's uh, in the next, uh, I think it's in the Constitution, by the way. It is. Yeah, it's the it's the twenty it's the sixty ninth amendment actually. All right, let's do the last. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Let's do the last uh, question, and then we'll move to our member only discussion. Jay Lizard. Longtime supporter. Thank you, Jay. Jay's awesome. Any thoughts on Carl Icahn? Uh, what's what he's going through? I what is he going through? Oh, oh we feel bad. We started off. He's getting he's a subject of uh, Hindenburg reports, short seller reports, and his own personal firm dropped, I think, like 20 percent this past week. And he lost billions of dollars. The guy who's shorting companies and uh, picking through bones. So got I feel shorted. very bad for him. Really bad. Hold on. The short seller got shorted. Yes. That's amazing. Okay. Actually, that was yeah. the that was one of the points that the shorts were attacking each other. Wow. I gotta look into this. I didn't know this was going on. Okay. Any thoughts on Carl from anybody else? Okay. Uh let's do one more. Let's see if we can squeeze one more question in and uh we'll go to member only. Uh Crunch the Grace Hopper, another uh uh, YouTube supporter. Thank you so much for your support, man. Can Twitter's ever have better video streaming functionality than YouTube to supplant it and restore creators free speech? I think that the one thing as a YouTube creator, I'm super thankful of, for YouTube and everything they do. Uh, I do think competition is going to be extremely healthy, especially around the around the edges where YouTube will demonetize for some questionable material. That's like, why? Like, why would you even do that? Just kind of let the advertisers choose if they want to advertise or not. Um, it's software. And I think if there's one thing we've learned about Google, and Google is a great company, but with the latest chat GPT thing that has happened and the fact that YouTube has been around forever for with no competition and how um, behind Google seems in some areas, I think Twitter could very much become a, a legitimate competition to, to YouTube. Um, Rumble is kind of that ish, not really, but is kind of nibbling at the toes. But I think Twitter is going to have a lot more um, gravitas behind it because you have Elon Musk at the helm and you have uh, Linda now, who's a apparently is a force to be reckoned with in the advertising world. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think long term, Twitter will definitely have some phenomenal video um, solutions for creators and. Uh, Elon Musk himself said that this is becoming a giant focus for the company short term. So I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Any thoughts? Actually, when I heard Linda V was the new CEO, I thought of you and I was wondering what your view was on what role she might play in making it more creator friendly and to expand that side of the business. Because I would guess that's got to be part of her responsibilities. And that had to yeah. be something that was material to her joining the company. So I would think that's going to be part of her responsibility. That's a, that's a great point. I think I think what she will be uh, really good at, it, the, the biggest variable for creators, I believe, not all of them, but a huge majority of them is going to be how much money can I make when I create my content? And if Twitter can figure out a way to be better than YouTube from that standpoint through advertising and getting really clever with effective advertising and being really good at showing the right ads and the right videos and, and giving maybe a larger share to creators and proving that out. That in itself would be a big enough carrot for creators to be like, yeah, I'm making more money on Twitter. You know, great. I'll, I'll move to Twitter. So that becomes the single biggest variable for, for Linda to accomplish. So if she can do that, the rest of it will fall in. Because if Elon and the team are focusing on the technical aspects of it and making a kick-ass software, 
you can have the most kick-ass software in the world, but unless you have uh, good um, good pay for the content creators, you're not going to have as many content creators as YouTube. And those kinds of platforms work because the content creators are there. They're the ones creating the content. So I think that she could, she could do a really good job. But we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if she what kind of things she'll do, you know, if she'll be able to do that in a, in a social media environment, but we'll see. Talent usually translates well across different areas of, of work. So, okay. Um, go ahead, Hans. I was going to say, I, I'm hoping that Twitter has the same effect on YouTube that Tesla insurance has had on other insurers. And so, you know, Tesla doesn't insure everyone, but they offer insurance at a competitive rate that forces other people who previously didn't have to compete to now start lowering their prices. I'm hoping that Twitter's stance on free speech and then their ability to attract creators will force YouTube to get with the program and improve. There's a lot of parts of being a creator on YouTube that YouTube frankly sucks at just because they don't have to get better right now. And so having somebody who is actively developing a platform for creators to monetize and be competitive should hopefully reinvigorate YouTube. I mean, YouTube is a very good company. It's very well run. Um, I would not be surprised if they're not responsive to that, both on the freedom side, but also just the ease of creating on their platform and uh, dealing with a lot of the pain points that people have. Yeah. If Twitter can figure out how to automate uh, titles and thumbnails, Twitter wins. Mimi, thanks for being here today. Please hit like if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. Mimi, thank you so much. She's been on our community forums as of late and a fantastic moderator, as well as every one of our other moder moderators. Thank you so much, Mods, for making the comment section a super healthy place to have a debate. As always, super proud of the community we're building here. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Severin, for joining us into this community forum. If you'd like to join our community forums, consider joining right below this video by clicking on join. And we're going to move over to our a member only discussion now right here on YouTube where only members can uh, watch and take part. And you also get access to our Discord channel as well, our private Discord, if you do become a member. Hans, not legal advice. Severin, thank you very much. Mods, thank you so much. Everybody in the comments section, thank you all very much again for your continued support and awesome discussions. And last but not least, as always, beautiful producer wife, fantastic job. Thank you very much, madam. And we'll see you on the member only. We'll see you until the next one, everybody. That was the worst outro ever. Bye. <laughs>